the earliest I can remember knowing that this wasn't right was in 2001. I was 10 years old. I remember telling my mom that I didn't want to do this anymore, whatever this was. And I remember feeling, well, it's simple. I'll go home. I'll tell her I don't want to do this. Done. I was 10, so I won't pretend that I wanted to leave the cult for a valuable, life-changing reason. The Harry Potter movies either had just come out or were about to come out, and the school was going to hold a mini party themed for it. Wizards and fun stuff, right, for a 10-year-old? If being a Jehovah's Witness meant I couldn't be normal like all the other kids I knew, simply put, then I no longer wanted to be a Jehovah's Witness. Thanks for the offer, though don't remember her response, but I think we all know what the main points were. All the points in a 10-year-old's mind were, okay, but I don't want that. I want this. Okay, I know that the book says that, but I don't want that. I want this. There's no thought in my child mind about wizards being bad, or that the Bible says, or that elder so-and-so just had a talk on Sunday about blah, 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 blah. Why can't I just not be this anymore? Over the next 12 years, I repeatedly had these types of conversations with my mother and then my stepdad, once he was in the picture. Unlike some of the other Jehovah's Witnesses who were shamed for ever questioning, I will give my parents credit on this. If you had a question about the religion, they pushed you, they pushed me at least, to do my own research and to find the answers to the questions that I had. I think that speaks volumes on how much they truly believed this was the truth and that even if they motivated me to find the answers to my questions, I'd come back believing this was the right call. But wrong or right, I felt that seeing as it was them, my parents, that wouldn't let me leave, I wanted them to provide me the relief, safety, peace, pride and assurance and love and happiness, everything that I was promised. If you do this and not that, if you stop craving this and start doing that, you'll get all the things. I felt none of that. My mother was never the lovey, cuddly woman that I saw on TV or my friends had. She was aloof and aggressive and abrupt and physical. When she married my stepdad in 2004, he swooped in and he was all of the opposite. I didn't show it then as an ungrateful teen, but he saved me. Then marrying meant moving 150 miles away from city to country, where we knew no one. Starting over is always hard at any age, under any circumstance, for any reason, but God damn, restarting at 13 was the worst. I hated the sound of the crickets outside at night. I resented my new little stepsister for seemingly having it easy. My older sister had always had a great relationship with our mother. And now, for some reason, after we moved, she was buying into the cult. 
so their ties were even tighter. Now I'm in a school and at an age where there's prom, dating, the teen cruise, provocative clothes, cursing, and here I was doing none of that. I knew no one who felt the disbelief I felt, who questioned the nonsense and the holes in the stories. I have to be the only horrible person alive. I can't fit in with my school peers. They're worldly and they think I'm prude. They think I'm stuck up. I'm not rude or stuck up. I'm just stuck. But they don't get it. All the talk of peer pressure at the conventions were laughable to me. The kids at school didn't scare me. Have you met my mother? She's terrifying. And in July of 2007, my mother's hard work of pressuring me finally paid off. I got baptized in front of 10,000 people at a convention in Rochester, New York. As soon as I got out of the water, I walked down the hall to change with the loud sounds of clapping and congratulations. And I held my breath the whole walk back to the restroom because I knew, and you know too, me bursting into tears the moment I got alone in that bathroom stall, thinking, what have I done? I'm baptized now. At 16, knowing damn well, I've ruined everything. Because now, all because I put my head under chlorine water in an above-ground pool inside an arena where professional hockey games are held. Suddenly, that means if I screw up now, I'll be disfellowshipped. I'll be shunned. As I came out of the bathroom to my super pleased, happy family and congregation, I kept crying. How could I be surrounded by 10,000 people who, upon seeing your wet hair, knew exactly what had just happened? Oh my God, you've been baptized. Hugs. Yay. And I felt alone again. Why is my fight or flight mode telling me to do both? Why don't I feel that relief, safety, peace, pride, assurance, love, and happiness that I was promised? Fast forward. I'm experimenting like any normal teen. Not full-on sex like my school peers, but way beyond what is allowed. Ugh, the guilt. The guilt. And so began my now notorious pattern of telling on myself. Elders getting involved with shepherding calls, parents tightening the noose. And then one day, I'm 20. My mother almost dies from a brain aneurysm and I'm forced to face our mortality. All of a sudden I realize, wow, you really can just be walking in a grocery store and a vein can burst in your head. If that happens tomorrow, am I gonna be happy with who I've been? I'm sheltered, I'm a hostage by many parts of the definition, but I'm also a liar. So, for once, let's be honest. I've never been invested. I've never tried. 
I checked out at 10 years old and now a decade has gone by and I'm ready to leave a religion that is all I know without even trying. I always put it on others to make me believe. Okay, fine. I'll do the work. If this is the truth, I'm smart. I'm logical. I'm a researcher. I'll research. I will look through all the internal books. I will go to the public library. I will Google. And I will make it make sense. Spoiler alert. I couldn't. Get a high paying job. You'll need to start saving money because you won't have anyone to rely on after this. Is there anything you want to do before you never see these people again? These people that you love? The only people you know? Okay, so let's have a few cousin and sibling only trips and really make some good memories. Take tons of photos. Start making worldly friends. It's weird. You've never really done this. Not full on. Even your double life can't compare to what you're about to commit to, so you're going to lose everyone you've ever known, so you better start finding others. While you're on your mother's insurance, is there anything else health-wise you need to do? Because she's probably going to kick you off health insurance as soon as you get kicked out of the cult. Speaking of mother, get all your documents from her, your social security card, your birth certificate. Any family heirlooms you really, really want, now's the time. Find an apartment, move out. You cannot be in their house if you're not going to be Jehovah's Witness. They've made that abundantly clear. And frankly, also, why would you want to be? Okay, you have all of those things prepared. Get ready. Get set. Jump. I can't remember who or how it came up, but somewhere along the lines, I learned that my status is disfellowshipped. That's the status I'm going to have for the rest of my life. It's a side tangent, but frankly, in my opinion, I feel I should be disassociated, not disfellowshipped. Sweating hairs, I know, but you guys get it. You know there is a difference between the two, and... I'm just saying, they've got me pegged all wrong. Okay, let's get into that side tangent. Well, remember I said I was notorious for telling on myself? Okay, so it's February 2013. I'm 22 years old. I've checked all of the need to do's off my list. Everything's lined up, it's perfect. I feel anything but perfect. I am very much not okay. I am dying inside. I'm dying because I've spent the last 22 years in a cult that I don't believe. But I'm also dying inside because I'm about to leave everything, everyone. And I keep searching for this green light, this sign from a God that I don't even know I believe in to tell me that today's the day. Go for it. Just jump. I've never stood on the edge of a bridge. I've never skydived. I've never 
bungee jumped. But I can imagine the feeling. For me, it was a Thursday night meeting in February 2013. I'm 22 years old. I didn't know it that morning, but by the end of this week, I'll no longer be one of Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm sitting between my sister and my cousin. My dad is sitting with my mom and my little sister a few rows ahead. My dad stands up, he's walking down the aisle, and he smiles at me. I can't explain it. I don't know why that was the sign. I don't know why all of a sudden I felt ready. And I stood up and I followed him down the aisle. I'm standing in the coat area of the Kingdom Hall and I'm waiting for my dad to get back out of the restroom. And as soon as he opens the door, with a loud silence and a painful pause, it was so ironic that the first person I was telling that I'd be leaving would be my stepfather. My stepfather who only met my mother because I ran into this stranger at a Jehovah's Witness convention. So how ironic that years later, he would be the one I felt the closest to and the safest with to tell him that this was not cutting it for me. I knew I made the right choice to pick him in that moment. Maybe he always knew. Because in that moment, he looked at me with the same love, but also the same worry that he always looked at me with. He looked at me and lovingly said the phrase he used to say for all of us daughters. Hey, little girl. Together, we walk and we sit in the car in a parking lot of the last Kingdom Hall I'll ever step in. I couldn't begin to tell you verbatim or probably anywhere close to verbatim what I said. I can imagine that after so many years, it was probably a blubbering overflow of information in between gasps of air and sobs, just explaining this was it. No more meetings, no more field service, no more memorial, assemblies, conventions, Bible studies, nothing. I don't believe this. I don't think I ever have. And then there's, of course, it's not you. It's not that you failed. It's not that my friends aren't good enough. It's not money. It's not boys. It's not drugs. I just don't want to be here. The only things I have clear memories of in this very long, magnifying conversation is my dad crying and him spelling it out for me, not because he wanted to rub my nose in it, not because he wanted to change my mind. He wanted to make sure I knew what I was saying. He listed things like, you'll never be welcome in our home again. You may never meet 
any nieces and nephews you ever have. Me and your mother may never meet your children. I can never give you my blessing when you go to get married. I know. I have always known that. I didn't wait until I was 22 to leave the cult because I enjoyed being there. I stayed because I knew what it meant to leave. Like I said, I had never had a very close relationship with my mother. Having to tell her that she didn't win when she was a person that was always right and always got her way was not something I was looking forward to. He knew that, and before I even had to say a single word about it, he said, don't worry about your mother. I'll tell her myself. He recommended something like, you should go back in and say goodbye to everyone. You don't have to tell them you'll never see them again. But you should get one last hug in while you can. I did. I went back in, shaky hands, weak knees, and I hugged my family, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncle, my cousins, my sisters. They said goodbye for the night, and I said goodbye forever. Nobody knew, just me and him. I went home that night and I just cried. I cried so hard, it felt like the entire room was shaking. I cried so hard, I felt like I might forget how to breathe. I was crying, but how did I feel? I know it sounds odd because you're an orphan, you're friendless, you're alone, broken. But That feeling I wanted at 10 when I told my mother this wasn't for me, the feeling I was missing at my baptism, the feeling I wanted when I researched this religion and all the countless situations in between. Relief, safety, peace, pride, love, happiness, I found it. I'm free. Thanks for listening again, everyone. You can email me at badassociationspodcast at yahoo.com. I'm on Instagram, badassociationspod. You can tell me your whole life story, and I can read it for you. You can join me on the podcast yourself. You can share just one story. There's no rules. I know leaving and staying gone is really hard. So be kind to yourself. Once again, I'm Chev. I'm a bad association. Tell me about yourself.